comic for flagship. Make Muppet, Muppet references. I, I don't. I don't blame you. I watched the the uh, the Muppet TV show, and then I did the. Uh, and then Muppets Take Manhattan was on like right after. Was on at the same yeah. time on like a different channel, and I was like, "Ooh, Penny, Muppets Take Manhattan," and she's like, "I don't get any of these jokes, Dad." <laughs> she did, she loved the Muppet Baby part, but Yo, she sure. did, she was like, I, "I don't I don't get it." She liked when <laughs> Miss Piggy was chasing the burglar, the the, the, yes. the, the robber Gregory Hines. Yeah, Gregory uh, Hines shows up. I just look good in the skates, you know that. Yeah. that scene. she loved because pe- sure because all Miss Piggy did would go. Well, like it's a super weird straight, scene too yeah. when you would see where it's clearly someone in the background. In the, far, miss- in the wide shots, it's someone dressed as Miss Piggy on roller skates, like a full size Miss Piggy, and it's really jarring. It it really is. Like I watched, I was like, "Whoa, that's weird." Yeah, and then the everyone in that movie went on to do nothing. <laughs> well, James Coco went on to die. <laughs> So he was kind of at the end. Aside from all of the of, of the celebrity cameos. And Joan Rivers. Yeah. Joan Rivers. Well, I mean, but oh, I you're talking about the, the main the cast. Leads, yeah. Yeah. Uncle Pete. <laughs> peoples is peoples. We say that in our house constantly. Well, well Peoples and, is peoples. And the girl who plays Jenny, like, did nothing. And then the other, the, yeah. the producer guy, he did nothing. No. But everyone else, they, you know, they went on. I think Alan Arkin showed up in the movie for a little bit. <laughs> no, Elliot Gould showed up in the movie. I was going to say, yeah. Elliot Gould. Is Elliot Gould in that one? Mm-hmm. He must be in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well. Uh... <laughs> anyway, welcome well... to our Muppets Take Manhattan podcast. <laughs> What what is the here we are face to face right where we belong? This all we should start yes. off, you know. But uh, instead of like the, the Hellboy theme, it's it's the thing we had. It should uh, be. Welcome to Comic Book Logic. Uh, I am your host Joe, and with me is always my co-host Kevin. Hello. Uh, today we're talking about Hellboy. Hellboy. Dun, 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 dun. The movie that has a Danny Elfman soundtrack that's not a Danny Elfman soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, so well, let's let's uh let's start this podcast off like we start off ninety percent of our podcasts instead of talking about Muppets. Kevin, what did you know about Hellboy? <laughs> I think you know the answer to this one <laughs> going in. Well, uh, he was funded <laughs> just go through like he was the, right. I'm like he's right. Inexplicably, he's right. I actually know everything there is to know about Hellboy. Um, nothing. I couldn't even tell you. This isn't even DC Marvel, is it? This nope. is something else. This is we this, are in uncharted waters here. We are in Dark Horse waters right now. Dark Horse Comics. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I don't really want to get too deep into. When it. are we going to get to Valiant? <laughs> I don't think I don't know if they ever made an Exo Man of War movie or Turok <laughs> Dinosaur Hunter. <laughs> <sighs> 
they always had the like Valiant was always weird because they always had like the like name and then like subtitle to it. It would be like Joe Talker of Bullcrap, you know, yeah. like that that sort of like title for everything. Yeah, Solar Man of the Atom. <laughs> Jesus. I think the only one that didn't was Archer and Armstrong. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, Hellboy was f- created in 1993 by Mike Mignola. Oh, this is relatively new. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually it was based off a sketch he did at a comic convention that just ended up in like a like a it was a it was basically a big red demon who looked nothing like Hellboy, but he had like a belt buckle that said Hellboy on it, and that kind of started the the rolling. Uh, of the, of the ball, which created mm-hmm. Hellboy in 1994, with with the first mini series Hellboy: Seeds of Destruction. Now, I don't want to go too much into all of that because Hellboy was actually created in, in a very kind of special time for uh, comic books. It's when, like, most of the comic books that we've kind of covered up to this point on the podcast have been very much in the old school vein of yeah. it's going to go on forever right batman has been going non-stop since 19 what did i say 39 right. outside yeah, of time 39. just yeah, yeah it's just him in whatever yeah. current ever since world the, exists the nazis invaded poland it's like batman has been there um so th- now we have a comics book start changing a little bit in the 1990s where you have limited series where you know there's going to be a beginning there's going to be an end to the story and it might be more after that but it's going to be just like Encapsulated in the middle, stories. Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. Lots of Nazis. So Hellboy is kind of in that vein. Mike Mignola, when he was talking about it, he very much took a lot of inspiration from H.P. Lovecraft. He took a lot of inspiration from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. These these guys who wrote short stories, who mm-hmm. uh, Robert E. Howard wrote short stories that were designed around kind of just mood and atmosphere. Yeah. The, and tentacle monsters. Yeah, and tentacle monsters. The and there was a lot, and there's a lot of humor in it too. The difference between, I think, I kind of want to talk about the difference between the movie and the comic book is that the comic book is very slow paced and moody. It's designed around the H.P. Lovecraft style, and it's. I think I want to talk about it a little bit more in the, this comic book part because you know all the characters are there: uh, Abe Sapien, Liz Sherman. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, none of the human characters are actually in the book, but except <laughs> except Professor Broom, and uh, but and Rasputin, but all the monsters are there yeah. and all like the the superhumans. But it's more about detective work. It's kind of the uh, the following on the notion of the inevitability of evil swallowing humanity. You know, H.B. Lovecraft always said that morality and his stories were more about. Morality as it exists is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. The universe itself is nothing but evil and destruction and chaos, and it's waiting to eat us. But for some odd reason, this idea of good is just this anomaly that happened, and we would like to believe that everything is good, or yeah. not necessarily good, but not everything's out to kill us. Right. <laughs> but in reality, these ancient terrors are waiting just beyond the pale to eat us. So that's kind of what the the whole basis of his stories are and it's very slow it's it's more about hellboy doing his investigation and then it's usually like ah monster and then they <laughs> kill the monster and that's it the, the killing the monster usually happens in like a page it's not really punchy punchy shooty shooty kind of the movie mm. takes a little bit of a turn that way mm-hmm. yeah yeah so th- that's kind of the main difference between the two between the two properties the books and the co- and the movie so 
Uh, I also wanted to add a little bit of a twist to this because normally we talk about what did you know about the comics before. Uh-huh. I kind of want to ask you, what did you know about Guillermo del Toro before you watched this movie? Oh, um, well, so this movie came out in 2004. Yes. Um, I had not seen it um, through whatever reason until really? what, a week ago when uh, I actually sat down to watch it. It was less than a week ago, I think. Yeah. Um, sat down to actually watch it to catch up for this podcast. Um, hadn't seen it. I, I know there's a sequel. Have not seen the sequel. Um, I may have caught pieces of it on television. <laughs> so I'm sort of outside of, of the time uh, frame on this one. So I have the benefit of having seen um, a good deal of Del Toro, including some of his really great um, early um, Spanish language stuff. Did you um, watch his his the episode of The Incredible Hulk that he did in 1985? D- I, don't, I don't know for sure. That it's, early. Uh, no. <laughs> no, not that early. I was going to say more like... Um, uh, I don't know. IMDb put The Incredible Hulk under his directors, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't think he... I don't even... Because I, I think he was like started directing in 85, 87. It could have been. It's like in that time frame. I don't know. But he only did short films around then, so I don't know. So I like a lot of his um, atmospheric movies. I don't love him as a director. I think that there's sort of those two sides to him. There's the Hellboy Pacific Rim yeah. side, and then there's Mimic. movies like, um, obviously, Pan's Labyrinth is kind of generally considered to be sort of his masterwork. Yeah. Um, the Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone is a great movie. Cronos um, is very good. Um, I like a lot of those. Cronos is very on the nose. You've got a character <laughs> who resurrects as a zombie whose name is Jesus. Um, again, very on the nose uh, as he comes to be a Christ figure with his first name. Uh, also, but it's good. It's yeah. a very good movie. It's a lot of fun effects. He, it's it's very uh, reminiscent of sort of early Peter Jackson as well. Kind of a oh, similar. Yeah. Oh yeah. But his is much um, moodier and 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 uh, more atmospheric, darker, um, but still fun and light and a lot of um, uh, practical effects. So I'm familiar with that, and I'm familiar with, you know, again, goofy. Pacific Rim, which I also liked, yeah. but some of his horror, some of like the um, "Are you fr- to bring up Lovecraft?" is "Are you afraid of the dark?" or "Don't be afraid of the dark." <laughs> yeah, you, he only produced. I think he only wrote, oh, wrote I, that's that. That's right. I always bring that up as a director every time, and I'm like, no, no he did not direct. He didn't that. direct that one. Oh well. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, it's definitely his style. Yeah. So uh, a, a bit, a bit about Del Toro. Yeah. I know. Having well, I mean, I, I just wanted to add that in there because I think you can't look at the movie Hellboy without inextricably linking it to Bene- uh, Benicio del Toro, uh, Guillermo del Toro, the director, so, and uh, Ron Perlman. What did you know about Ron Perlman before this movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. and Yes, that's about what I know is him and uh, his work with Linda... <laughs> Linda uh, Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. I started to say Linda, Linda Carter. Linda, Linda Lavin. Was it Linda Lavin? <laughs> yes, I win. We got you. Did win. Take a little walk to the edge of town. Go across the track.
So, uh, Hellboy. Well, let's. You wanted to go through the plot, or you just want to talk about plot points? We could just talk. I, it's up to you. I, I'm. I'm. I, I don't. I don't have a ton to say plot by plot about this movie. I. What I will say. I mean, again, I, I, this is the first time that I saw it. Um, it was an interesting movie. That having seen now a lot of the Marvel movies, this actually tonally fits into it kind of what comic book movies yeah. are like now as it's, opposed to sort of what they were at the time. It's it's a lot sillier, it's it's more fun. I mean, uh Spider-Man was was out by this point. We talked about that a little bit on the last episode. Spider-Man that was 2 big, I think was out at this point. Yeah, um that those were kind of big um, this is pre-Dark Knight. Big influences. Yeah, this is before. This was the same. Uh, this was 04. This would have been the same year as Batman, Batman Begins. Begins. So yeah. kind of two sides there of, of that. Um, but the movie this reminded me the most of, um, which I believe is another comic book movie that we'll probably talk to at some point. Superman. No. <laughs> is Superman 3, um, specifically. No, um, Men so in Black. It very much. Which Reminded is a, me a lot of Men in Black. Very much a comic book movie. Yeah. Uh, to say Men in Black is a comic book movie is, uh, I guess. I mean, it's one of those comic book movies that it's like, this really isn't a, like, like Cowboys and Aliens is a comic book movie. And you're kind of like, exactly. A, Marmaduke is a comic book movie. <laughs> comic strip. Well, as we start running out of major movies to talk I can't about, wait to we'll do, get there. I can't wait to do comic strip logic. It's coming. <sighs> it's coming. Dennis the Menace. <laughs> Dennis the Menace. Oh my God! With Walter, Ma- Dennish, Walter uh, Matthau. Yeah, that's true. That was a real thing. No, this. Um, yeah, it does. It does quite hit the uh, the the t- the tone that Marvel eventually took. Yeah, on. I mean, it's it's sort of an action comedy. I mean, it's so quippy, and it's so. I mean, I don't think that, especially during the action sequences, I don't think that Hellboy says anything that isn't a zinger like i don't think he has a single line of dialogue unless he's <laughs> confessing his love to selma blair yeah that isn't just like you know take that to the bank or whatever you know <laughs> that's my mama <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says things that are a little that's little why i get paid the big bucks i don't know zippier I'm just, I than can, that yeah. right i <laughs> the the use of Ron Perlman in this movie is is pretty unique. Um, I'll probably go into it a little bit in production notes, but he was pretty much the one person that they wanted cast for Hellboy, and the movie kind of has to rest on his shoulders, which are big shoulders, mind you. Sure, physically um, very large. But I think I think an important thing to look at is that the, we, if we start at the beginning, we have to look at John Myers. Ugh. Yeah. Let's don't. Well, I mean, it's important because no, he's not a character from the comic book. <laughs> And you know why he why he's put in this movie. It's it's very much what you said about bonk bonk. The guy's name is Jesus, and he's resurrected from the dead. This is our view into this incredibly strange world of he's Hellboy. Right. He's yeah. the audience surrogate, and I get it. And that character is necessary, but in this movie, his character specifically, super pointless. It's it's not pointless. It's boring. He's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are. Yeah. I mean, you maybe. always talk about how like FBI agents are like boring people like they're supposed to be boring they're you know they wear suits and they walk around and they talk in a monotone voice like men in black are supposed yeah. to be he is that character 100 where you're just like i don't like you no he never gets that he never gets to that point where it's like you're he like he never it never feels like he finally kind of gets the hang of this universe of like this world like by the end 
like it should feel like now he's part of the team. Yeah. He should be up there with yeah. Hellboy and Abe and you know who and Liz, Liz and whoever and, yeah. else. He should be like he's literally brought into the movie yeah. to be William Hurt, you know, Professor Broom's like replacement. Hello. And it never. <laughs> oh, we have him right here. We have. We, this is. I, I really enjoyed being in Hellboy. I didn't even see you there behind the couch. Uh, <laughs> John Hurt. I said William Hurts. That's not accurate. No, at no, all. no. That's John, John Hurt. John Hurt. Not not William Hurts. I John Hurt is like one of those people who shows up in movies, and I'm like, oh, it's John Hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, that's that's the funny thing because you have it juxtaposed against this opening sequence of these soldiers taking on these you know the nazis the thule society um just a really cool scene i mean it's watching it now in comparison to like avengers or avengers 2 and you're like oh this is quaint but it's this big battle scene yeah where you have a bunch of not the u.s indian head soldiers taking on the uh the nazis nazis and the, the thule society and they're and it's not just like I, I really respect Del Toro for what he did with the characters. Uh, Elsa Hopstein, the, the of course the Ilsa She Wolf of the SS, mm-hmm. who's there. Rasputin, um, and <laughs> God bless it, it's Rasputin. Yeah, and uh, Cronin, like the the cool faceless ninja zombie fighter. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just That's like sort of a weird clockwork, yeah. like almost, uh, which is really cool. The uh, filled with sand. Yeah. It's it's like you have these personalities, and then Hellboy itself has a very deep mythology to mm-hmm. it, and they're just like, just go with it, just go with it. like they don't try to explain it too much. They give you just enough that you're like, okay, there's a big evil demon that they're trying to wake up. Yeah, that's they're trying the to, way to start the end of the world. That's the way to do it, I think. Like there are sort of moments they like they explain where they found. You know, we get to see where they get Hellboy, Hellboy. where Hellboy yeah. actually comes from and enters our world, and then we later get to see when John shows up and they explain uh, Abe to him. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love that scene how he's swimming around in this tank, um, and it's like, thank God he's got these like tight pants on, these little short <laughs> pants. It's like Abe, hide your shame. Like well, we don't, we don't want to see your fish penis. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like he's a fish man. Fish men don't have penises. <laughs> I don't know. He might. We well, don't know. Yeah, fish he's, penis. He's got to cover up that that area. Yeah. See, I will disagree with you a little bit on this uh, on, the <laughs> on the villains on the fish penis uh, no. because. Having seen many fish penises in my life, no. Um, <coughs> oh, uh-oh, excuse me. Oh, no cough button on these mics. No. Um, I never got the sense that the stakes. I mean, the stakes were like we're trying to bring this weird tentacle demon into yeah, our and world actually the, that we the... briefly get to see, which I kind of liked the effects on that because it was very sort of background, very. Um, it was just like a rune city. Cut to the end yeah. of the movie, yeah. and we get to see Tentacles, the things starting yeah. to come through, like the moon, I guess, the portal, but. I never got the sense with Rasputin and the Nazi lady and even to an extent the the, the weird clockwork guy. Um, they were very generic villains to me. Like, I never got the sense that, like, they were all that menacing. It was like, okay, we've got a bad guy. And, like, even in the scene, again, skipping to the end when he's trying to convince Hellboy and he almost – it almost works to convince Hellboy to actually do the thing and yeah. throw his horns at over. All he really does is yell at him. Like, he just stand And, like, and there's a scene, again, I'm skipping to the end of the movie, but where John is is yelling, like, no, oh, remember your father and who you are. And then Hellboy's like, I don't know. And it's like, you have a choice. And all Rasputin says is, no, no you, you don't. don't. 
Like, really? Like, that's... Really, that's, like, your arguments. And it's like, yeah. no wonder you failed miserably. It's like, nah-uh. Well, let's do it anyway, because I've got a beard. Well, the... uh. I, I like I always like when they do the trio villains. It's very much it's Superman two. It's what it is. You have yeah. you have Zod, right? And you have you know the femme fatale, and you have the Bruiser, and that's yeah. essentially what you have in this movie. I always think it's a good way of doing villains. Is that you have to have the main villain, and then you kind of have the villain sidekicks, or else you end up in like Spider Man territory where you have eight thousand villains on screen, and you're like, I can't. This is they they don't get their their screen time. They don't get their right motivation to go out you know that all three of them are working towards the same goal that's kind of the way to do cool villains yeah and it's actually interesting if you compare them to the comic book versions um all of the that thule society there's a lot of different nazis who were there at the time they all go on to become villains in separate hellboy story arcs elsa ends up becoming a snake demon kind of uh gorgon character uh I think it's she becomes Lamia, the queen of the vampires, if I'm not 100% mistaken. Cronin is not this crazy Sounds Nazi. right. Cronin is not this Nazi ninja guy. He's actually a, a – not a hypochondriac, but he's like def- – well, I guess hypochondriac. He's definitely afraid of germs. He's a germaphobe. Oh, okay. So that's why he mm-hmm. seals himself in that ah. outfit and cuts off his – cuts off all of like – his eyelids and everything like that but no he's 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 more like a like a brittle character he's not really shown too much in the comics he's i think he's there at the beginning and of course you have rasputin who's the guy who's the engineer behind all of this yeah uh known for having an incredibly large penis uh <laughs> really yeah you didn't know that no apparently his penis is in a jar somewhere i can't remember exactly where but it's definitely someone has rasputin's penis in a jar it's probably a worse penis <laughs> probably worse. Somebody, somebody needs to analyze that i don't, I don't buy it but yeah, everything. But everything about Rasputin in the movie is technically true. He was resurrected. Uh, no, but yeah, he was shot multiple <laughs> times, poisoned. I, I did hear into that. The river. Yeah, supposedly. So it's a great villain to sort of utilize, and it's yeah. fun to kind of have that sort of link to an actual person. But again, I just, I, it was there was a lot sort of a, a lot of the teeth seemed to be removed from that, and I know that Del Toro can do scarier villains i mean the the guy in pan's labyrinth who was just a guy is infinitely more the, terrifying the, the general the spanish general yeah the, infinitely yeah. more the stepfather way more terrifying yeah. than rasputin is here and he's actually trying to bring out the end of the world yeah so it, i think that has a lot to do with the guy who played him i have i'll bring it up in my notes in a second i didn't really i looked him up but i didn't really recognize him too much. yeah he didn't really he hasn't done too much um but the uh what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but it, it's like in the end there, he kind of like when he puts on the sunglasses, he looks like Joe Pantliano from Matrix. You know, he just like yeah. is not really like he's not really that menacing of a exactly. character. Yeah. Rasputin is supposed to be this. He it, looks like the guy who's like, yeah, the Weasley henchman to the actual, actual villain. villain. Yeah. You know? No, he's he looks like the guy that's going to betray everyone. It's yeah. like, you didn't see he was going to betray you. Look at him. <laughs> he looks like he's going to betray you. <laughs> Yeah, his name is Steve Judas. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy uh, Carol Roden, Carl, Carl Roden, he was in Born yeah. Identity, and uh, he was in the movie Orphan. If you ever seen Orphan, great movie. But yeah, he's not really that menacing. Rasputin is supposed to be this, and in in our own modern mythology, Rasputin is this giant monk who's just menacing and like he his eyes are supposed to entrance you like 
you're supposed to simultaneously love and hate him at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like Christopher Walken, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hellboy. But I think, I I mean, I don't know. So I liked, I thought that this movie was really at its best in sort of those quieter, sort of funnier moments. Like when it got a kind of a chance to breathe. Like I didn't feel like a lot of the action scenes. I will say the effects... I I really like the effects, especially yeah. comparing it to the first Men in Black, which I haven't seen in a while. But again, but I, I've seen it enough. The when green it screen in came the out. the green screen in the first Men in Black is so <laughs> egregious. It's right. I remember if I'm remembering it correctly, and and I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Like I said, it it it's 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 comic booky enough. Like we were talking about that, we'll probably get there, and it'll be fun to maybe talk about the first two or something like that. But um, I never saw the third one, not yet. But I'm in my memory, it's very like the effects on the creatures are very like like now they look very digitally superimposed. Like they look very green screen and you can really tell that there's not someone there. There are moments, especially during some of the like the hand to hand combat scenes, the one action scene I did like, which we'll get to, um, it involves a box full of kittens <laughs> is very there's a guy like the other monster yeah, you like, could, there's a guy in a suit like slapping his big tentacle arms around <laughs> at hellboy and it's very like uh, very it's Godzilla. like an 80s yeah, yeah it's very like this go- <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> kevin's doing like I'm literally arms. i'm still doing walrus <laughs> arms the tentacles slapping each other that's exactly what it was and i was like this is super fun to watch like there were yeah. moments like that but so much of it though the rest of it was just like between the zingers and then like a lot of the quick cuts and it was just like and we're in an action scene and maybe that's it's interesting that you brought up that the the source material is much Much, slower and much simpler that it makes a lot of sense to me that those were slower moments were the ones where you know where they're just having a conversation the scene where um hellboy and the kid on the rooftop are stalking yeah. john and liz because they're not really on a date but kind of on a date yeah. and he's getting jealous about it that's one of the best scenes in the movie because you're getting these characters just to sort of talk and be characters yeah. and you're not having to rely on like, well, he can punch a thing. Well, that's what I think. The, that's where I think the movie actually, I will agree with you, but disagree on a best scene. One of my favorite scenes in the, in the movie is quite later when they, they discover Rasputin's tomb and the uh, Hellboy resurrects the, the Russian dead guy. And, yeah. at his back. The reason why I love that is I think this movie works best when it's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Now you got to remember Indiana Jones, yes, are these action scenes, but a lot of it is him kind of wandering around trying to figure out the clues, like the map, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. And that's where I really like this movie. And I think that's more like the comic is he's doing research. He's doing, right. you know, when they go to the museum and they find the, the crystal, like, you know, they try and figure out what's going on. And they use Abe and they kind of go through the backstory where they talk about, oh, this is a demon. He's encapsulated in the salt from the distilled tears of angels. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> that's that's a lot of fun. Those are those quieter moments that I yeah. think are really, really interesting and fun. Um, they but give around you... it, everything, yeah. it's a very clunky movie. There's just a lot of big, like... Action it's going, scenes. it's going and going, and then it's just like, oh, now it's it's abrupt shift, and now it's another movie, and then you've got to get through this scene, and then it kind of gets to sort of, then now there's a, it needs to take a little time to sort of recover and get back well, on track. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you have 
one of the greatest villains that you could possibly use, Nazis, and there's only three in the movie. Like, <laughs> the hired goon of the movie is the, the the demon guy. Like, oh, he's they'll lay eggs, and there's hundreds of them. I'm like, eh, that's kind of... I'd yeah. rather have them fight, like, Nazi zombies or something like yes, that. That would have been a lot more fun. If you're going to turn it into a movie where Hellboy has to kill a lot of people or a lot of things, make it Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's just good filmmaking 101. If you have any movie where you have to kill lots of things, make it a Nazi. When uh, I'm sure... Um, our invitation to teach a, a, a comic book film course <laughs> at like University oh, of Chicago or so UIC great. or yeah. something like as soon as that comes in that will be on the syllabus for the first day if you don't oh, know no, what no. else to do just make your yeah, villains Nazis. Nazis and you got yourself at least a C plus movie <laughs> exactly at least because the greatest thing is that you can kill a Nazi and no one cares nobody cares nobody cares yeah, and especially Tarantino knows it. And now you know it. Especially if you make the more evil you could make the Nazi, the better, the more cathartic it is when yeah. you kill him. For example, when uh, you know you have Cronin, who is this you know really disturbing looking person. No, I like when they when they finally catch him. Well, he allows himself to be caught, and Professor Broom is doing the whole. You know, they take the suit off and you see his face and he's filled right. with sand. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that's that's creepy and he's weird. Gross. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And they pull out the clockwork mechanism out of his chest. You're like, oh, this is this is so creepy. And then not only does he get up and he's like all creepy walking. He kills Professor Broom, you know, yeah. Res, well, Rasputin does, you know, gives him the order because he just randomly shows up. He's like teleported. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I have all these special abilities that I don't use anywhere near the climax of the film. <laughs> <laughs> My powers are basically Deus Ex Machina. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Cronin is able kills him, and you're like, oh, Cronin, he's so evil. He's he's so evil. Then at the end, you have the big fight scene with him, and he's like, he, he can't be killed, and you're like, oh, he's so evil. Then finally, when he gets smashed, you're like, yes, finally, catharsis. Yeah, yeah, which is great. That's how you create a good villain. I liked that character a lot, but the the decision to have him not be able to like really talk and to make him just like uh, a weapon that the other character uses rather than giving him some degree of sort of autonomy. I felt was a little <laughs> bit of kind of, uh, it's a little bit undercut, but I still agree. I agree with you that that was definitely the coolest. Yeah. It's villain a, it's the, the snake movie. eyes pair. It's the, it's the snake eyes character It's like snake eyes. Shouldn't talk in any movie when snake eyes is in a movie, he should be silent and he should be a weapon. That's kind of what makes him cool. That what that's what makes snake eyes. Cool. Come yeah. on. All right. I mean, yeah. like, if Snake Eyes talked, you'd be like, oh, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, but I, 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 do th I, I do agree that he's a character, and he's a, he's a cooler character used by a character who's not quite as cool. <laughs> like, if, if for some odd reason Rasputin was even cooler than Cronin, it would be a different story altogether. Plus, you're able to sell a lot of cool replicas of his weird, like, baton sword things. <laughs> Like, right. It, so it appeals to Joe. It definitely. appeals to nerds at comic book conventions. So the central premise of this is we've got Hellboy and he's, you know, he he's from that. He's from hell. World. He's from hell or some alternate dimension that's kind of hell or hell like. Uh, and he comes in and he hits hellish <laughs> and he fights and kills monsters because he can. Um 
there's sort of this whole thing in the movie where and we in the, when we get to see him kind of do the thing and he goes into the museum and it, he goes by himself because he works alone. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Which uh, is not actually true in the comics. He loves his team in the comics. Well, I was going to yeah. say, it's super weird because, and it didn't really make a lot of sense because you've got all these FBI sort of handlers. They just have like government issue guns oh like (laughs) they're completely useless and when we actually finally and i guess it's i don't know they maybe they never felt like they had to learn how to kill the monsters because (laughs) hellboy always did it and it was like don't come in i'm gonna kill it myself and they were like that's fine i don't really want to have to fight monsters that's why you're here (laughs) um but then inevitably there's gonna be a time where there's gonna be multiple monsters and when they're in the tomb and the monsters the the what are they called the they're basically uh, Sam-A-L. like the hell. Sam-A-L. They're like the demon dogs, basically. Yeah. But Samael, yeah. yeah. When all the various Samaels are running around taking out the FBI guys, they've they have no defense. They're just guys. Yeah. They're just like these guys standing around, and it's like you could have really, like that should have been part of the movie that I don't think really, yeah, kind of made it to the sort of the the the, the conclusion. Well, think- or that he would then learn to be like, well, I guess I do need everyone. It was just very like, nah. Well, that's a, that's a, okay. So let's, and I blame John Myers for that. <laughs> let's talk about this weird uh, subplot because, of course, there's the overarching a plot where it's that these people are trying to destroy the world. But the smaller plot, the is Hellboy is a mystery. No one knows if Hellboy's real. He's kind of like an urban legend. And for five minutes, and then literally everyone sees him, and it's very clear that he's real. Well, and that's the... <laughs> he has, like, eight fights in public. Well, the the problem is, is that in the comics, it's kind of like an everyday... Everyone knows Hellboy exists. He's kind of like public knowledge. Because the BPRD is public knowledge. The, mm. the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Deve- uh, Defense. They... <laughs> Research and Development. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they... They're public knowledge. Like, people know they exist. They're a branch of... United Nations, or actually, I think they're a branch of the U.S. government, like a joint thing with Europe, uh, European powers. But they're relatively well known. And but I think that they had to make Hellboy like hide who he was because they had to have this weird thing about how he couldn't really be with Liz. Hmm. Like, there's no actual romantic thing with Hellboy and Liz. There's kind of hinted at in the comic books, but it's not really. So it's a weird thing. I don't. I. I don't know. I, I don't. You know. I don't like love plots in movies. <laughs> it's like. So I was. I was okay with that because I thought it was. Uh, it would have been easy to just have Hellboy be like, "I'm a monster, and I kill monsters." Like I thought, character wise. But I'm a monster. <laughs> I thought. Yeah. Right. I thought character wise that was a good uh, additional dimension, a good alternate dimension. Mm. To the Hellboy character that, and, that made a lot of sense, and it sort of gave an additional reason why he would be reluctant to trust and really like John, supposedly, yeah. I guess, his new handler, yeah. sidekick, father. I don't know yeah. what they were going for there with that stupid character, but uh, it, it was, a, it, I appreciated that, and I, like I said, I thought that that was. Well, yeah. uh, maybe some of the better stuff. One of, one of the the one of my favorite little sort of jokes in the movie is when she when Liz gets out of the the asylum the, the or whatever asylum because it burns down, and she um, walks into the room where he is writing all these love letters to her or trying to, and of course he's got all the drafts <laughs> that are all over the floor. And she walks in and she goes, uh, 
you know, why, why are there so many? Or Yeah, why are there so many? And he assumes he, she's talking about that. And he's like, oh, and she's talking about the cats. <laughs> she's like, which one had babies? And he's like, oh, you know, it's a funny little scene. And ah, I think it cats. drives some of the humor and the stuff that I liked as opposed yeah. to just like zingers and punching. Well, I also think that the casting of Selma Blair as Liz was like very good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Selma Blair can pull off that dry she was supposed to play an aloof uh character who can't act was that <laughs> was that uh, what they were going for with the liz character it's not fair uh, some of blair's a pretty she, decent actress she couldn't act her way out of a mental asylum <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh i i like some of blair what did... <laughs> <laughs> my cat joe's like... cat are the 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 official mascot of uh of comic book logic is uh, being very adorable yeah but i i really like her and i also like uh the the dual character of abe sapien was played by uh doug jones and uh david hyde pierce <laughs> yes yes it was and it's actually funny because uh doug jones if you ever heard him talk kind of sounds like david hyde pierce so it's like it's kind of like what <laughs> But apparently that was a studio thing that they wanted David Hyde Pierce for it. And actually, in the second movie, David Hyde Pierce steps aside and Doug Jones as the voice of Abe Sapien. Doug Jones, of course, does the Pale Man in uh, Pan's Labyrinth as well. So yeah. you can see the the parallels there. Yeah. In that. One of these days, we'll actually get to see him on screen as himself. <laughs> yeah, actually, he played himself in an episode of the, uh, I think it was The Neighbors. It was a TV show. Oh. Where there was, or these people, but he was playing a character who was an alien. So, so yeah, yeah kind of, still kinda. there, still there. But the yeah, so the I I don't know, like the the whole love plot. Do, yes, I will agree, adds a, a dimension to the character. I I, I don't know it, the whole jealousy thing with my. I, it seems just so juvenile to me. Like it shouldn't have been in this movie. I, I don't I'm... I liked it I, I mean I, I, I understand what you're saying I just think like if you're gonna make this movie where you're gonna have these different um, so you compare this to a movie like The Avengers or or, or I guess more specifically um, the Avengers the new Avengers Avengers 2 of, Age of Ultron Age of Ultron I sort of say Age of Apocalypse again. well it'd be a, I don't um, know if it's a, is it Avengers 2 Age of Ultron no, or just I Avengers just uh, Avengers or the, of, Avengers. the Avengers I think it's Avengers I don't know it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> you look at a character you look at that where you've got sort of this team of heroes and so obviously this team isn't quite as big or as well defined as those and we haven't had the benefits quote unquote of you know eight hours of introduction of all of these characters but you you want to sort of add you you start to figure out like well if these characters were real characters like how would they interact what would some of their like personal lives be yeah and it's I guess. not to shoehorn it in and i know some people took a little bit of issue with yeah, the Black Widow and the Hulk, Hulk and yeah. Black Widow and Captain America and kind of how that was going. But I think it, I think Girls. it's an appreciate. I appreciated the way that they would sort of take this, and it wouldn't just be cartoon characters jumping around yeah. and, and fighting monsters. I think I think one of the things that I, I kind of feel is kind of weird about it is the character of Liz and Hellboy, and this is something that they didn't go into in the in the movie, is that. You gotta kind of think about it. How many girls has Hellboy been exposed to in his life? 
Mm-hmm. Like, there's probably not a lot of female agents in the BPR. I didn't see any of female agents in the BPRD in the movie. Like, Liz is probably the only girl he's probably seen. So, yeah. you know, it could be just a weird case of that. Not or... too many girls in the movie. Well, well, something I realized. Girls. Something that I realized that maybe they touch on. I, I mean, it's possible that it, they mentioned it and I, I just didn't really catch it. But it's the their, their, their relationship would make a lot of sense because her power would be is is she's got fire Fire, and he's immune to fire so obviously she can sort of be herself and use her power she doesn't have to worry about like i don't i'm not going to accidentally burn you to death because (laughs) i can't because that's not a thing that that's very yeah so that makes a lot of sense but uh, but i don't think that they really they don't touch on that at all no it was just like she's pretty though yeah no i i get it it just it seems something that's very hollywoody and kind of shoehorned in i don't know I like the jealousy thing. I think one of the things that's interesting about Hellboy is that in the comics, at least Hellboy is our surrogate. He's kind of a alpha character that we enjoy being in his role. When you read the books, you're like, yes, I love that. I am Hellboy in this comic. I am. He is my surrogate character. I really like the ability that the fact that he's smart, he's uh, he's quippy. You know, he's he's interesting and he's important. He's a Christ figure. He has all of these cool things in the comics, but in the movie, they kind of take that away from us by making us Myers, you know? Yeah. You know, and uh, it would have been better to just drop us in the middle of this world because it's not that complicated. No, it's not. Um we get the gist of it with that introduction and then with the brief during it's not quite the credits but it's it's we get the uh the newspaper we see the newspaper headlines yeah um gives you a little bit of like okay obviously he's growing up and he's working with the government that's fine yeah. and then they could have just dropped us right into like they do drop us right into uh the museum without the arrival of the Myers character and I, it just wasn't necessary. Well, I, I like a lot of the stuff. I like the I like the resurrection of Rasputin. That was kind of a cool scene. Mm-hmm. It comes up all dripping in blood with mm-hmm. the Nazi gold. With no eyes. No eyes. And he puts in those clearly fake looking glass <laughs> eyes, which then he pops in and are completely his real eyes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, those are amazing magical glass eyes. <laughs> magical glass eyes. Yeah, and the, the, like and they allow him to see. There's there's certain like just really cool visual scenes that happen. But yeah, like the whole like uh, the occult wars came to an end in 1956 with the death of Adolf Hitler. And they're like, they're like oh, it's 4:45. It's like, yes, that's exactly what it means. It's like, haha, right. it's funny, I get it. Yeah. But we didn't, we we they didn't. I don't know. It just it felt so mm, yeah so weird. And, it was a choice that they made, and I think that there's an argument to be made that you should do that in the movie because it is a bizarre world, but it's not that bizarre. You and I, know, it's very, so, so compare it to the movie I brought up that this reminds me a lot of men in black. Yeah. You, you, you've got this world, you, you bring in the Will Smith character. Yeah. He gets recruited into it. Yeah. But first of all, we establish why we should, care about will smith's character he's well, he's, will he's smith. funny he's played by will smith yeah. that's reason enough typically in the 90s uh you bring him in <laughs> he now it's you've got to sit there and explain to this, this this is in every movie like this you've got to have that character who comes in and you have to it's like 
stuff that everyone else already knows because it's routine for them. But he's like, there are aliens, what? And then he gets jiggy with them. And then <laughs> you, you have to what? take the time to explain to the character, actually the audience, why we're doing a thing, how a thing works, what the rules are to establish that so we can get our bearings and understand, okay, this is what we're doing in this movie. There's an argument to be made that that makes sense. John Myers, played by uh, Rupert Evans, is not Will Smith. No. Not even a little bit no. Will Smith. He's brought in kind of after we've already been exposed to, like, okay, there's parallel universes, there's demons, yeah. there's evil Nazis. Like, we've already kind of got the gist of it. Yeah. We get to see that he fights monsters via, you know, newspaper headlines. Um, is he real? Is he not real? Of course he's real. We just saw him as a little baby who likes candy bars. Um, baby Ruth. We bring him in and we're like, okay, so this is how we're going to get to explain, like, he likes cats. He eats a lot of food. Okay. Abe Sapien was found. This None of that. That could have all come up organically. It's like they got it all out of the way right away anyway. And then now we're just in the thing we're just now we're gonna go on it we've oh we've got a monster we've got to go and get it so yeah. we get to see him in action and that's a good way for the audience to get their bearings as well so the character was super pointless well let's let's talk for just a second you bring the parallel to men in black will smith was a man in black in the movie john myers was not hellboy the movie's called Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's another good point. Yeah. Right. He gets brought in, and, and I'm still not sure. He gets brought in to eventually replace Professor Broom, but... Yeah, well, uh, let, me, let me talk about this for a second. This is Because <laughs> this is an interesting parallel to the comic. Well, not a parallel, but it's a part of the comic is that the, in the first comic uh, for Hellboy, Professor Broom is killed very quickly in the comic. And like the first like six pages of the comic. It's hit by a car. No, he's killed by a, he's killed by a frog monster. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and slipped in the shower. And much later on, Mike Mignola went on record saying, like, yeah, if I knew this was gonna take off, I wouldn't have done it that way. If I knew he was gonna be such a pivotal character, if I knew that I was gonna do stuff with this, I would have made his death mean much more than it actually did in the comic. And I think that's kind of like where they made up for it in this one. Like they showed that he was dying, that he needed to bring on a replacement. I didn't think he needed any of that at no. all. I think he could have either A been a new member of BPRD or B take the character out altogether and replace it with Liz Sherman coming in. Like she just discovered her pyrotechnic power. She's bringing yeah. brought into the, the bureau. Like she's going to yep. be part of this. I don't want to be part of this. I can't be part of a family. I killed my last family. Right. That's how you write that character in there. So you have someone who's exploring this new world that's coming in. Yeah. And then you could have Hellboy developing feelings for her. Uh, or C he's got to get Hellboy ready for one day I'm not going to be here and you're going to have yep. to do this on your own and you're going to have to learn to trust your instincts Thanks. because you're not going to have me and it becomes more about him yes. kind of coming out and doing that. That's that's true as well. That's where he could become more of the... He should be the freaking leader of the team. <laughs> it's, it's his whole thing. He's the crux of all, all of, of it. All of it, yeah. If you look at the symbol for the department, it's literally Hellboy's hand holding a sword. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, you that's very true. And you could have it so start off that Hellboy's very juvenile and he's uh, more of the muscle of the team. Well, they do. And then he breaks out yeah. constantly. He's, yeah. you know, and he can't be relied upon. And that's why the Jeffrey Tambor character, who well, we haven't brought, brought in yet. Yeah. He has this issue of like, I'm the leader. I'm in charge. You can't be trusted. You're one of these monsters. You know what? You've got to have him kind of get to that point where he says, I'm 
not a you know i'm not a monster no like well i was gonna say more of it's that you could get to the point where hellboy like you could have it so that broom is more of the researcher and the guy who kind of figures out how to beat the the bad guys and hellboy is the muscle but it Broom is trying to teach Hellboy how to use his brain, how to use his smarts, how to make choices. Right. And then you could then Hellboy develops into this leader throughout the movie. You actually have a character progression and a character arc yeah. for that. And so at the end when he has to make a choice, it's much more powerful, I guess. Right. Because it's like right, yeah. one of the first choices he learns to make by himself, himself is the choice yeah. not to kill humanity. I think that's a good choice to make. It's all right. Yeah. By the way, with uh, Jeffrey Tambor, once we do Men in Black, We'll have officially hit all of the characters from the Larry Sanders yes! show because Rip Torn is in Men in Black. That's right. He plays yes. Zed. But yeah, Jeffrey Tambor's in this character as kind of this. They never really explained what his position He's is. The head, basically, of this department. Yeah. And its spokesman, but then he denies that his job is yeah. to deny that the department exists, which was sort uh, of confusing. I and because everybody seemed to know that it exists. They knew what it was called yeah and what like, they the, literally yeah. know its name yeah. <laughs> it's not like is there an organization for monsters it's like does this department exist and yeah. you are the head of it one of one of my uh favorite things about the uh, interesting trivia bit about jeffrey tambor in this movie jeffrey tambor was not originally as that character the character who was cast though i couldn't find the reference for who was actually cast as the character just didn't show up yeah so they they brought jeffrey tambor on board they filmed it in prague now, because they filmed it in Prague, that allowed Jeffrey Tambor to do a cameo in the movie Euro Trip as the father because he happened to be near the set at the same time. So there's your interesting <laughs> trivia that Hellboy was being filmed in Prague at the same time as one of my favorite comedies, Euro Trip. Nice. <laughs> so th there you go there. But a yeah, classic. And I did love that. I like and I kind of like Jeffrey Tambor's character about how he. He grew to respect Hellboy when once he saw Hellboy in action, saw what he could do, and yeah. they kind of bonded over cigars and, and that, that sort little of thing. gag at the end where he's yeah. like, it's not it's sort of mid credits, like yeah. after the first round of credits where he's it's, they cut to him and he's like, I'm still in here, <laughs> hello. And everyone already <laughs> left, <laughs> went home. Monsters are dead. It's a and I I did like his character as well. I thought he was good as both comic relief and as kind of a pseudo villain. You know, the bureaucrat. Because it's yeah, so... Yeah, you, you got to have that guy. There's always that, like, the robot. Like, oh, he just doesn't get it. Let him do his job. Well, it's, it's kind of nice that they allowed the, the bureaucrat to actually develop and realize why Hellboy's a good character. Like, a, a good... You know, uh, he's good at his job. Yeah. Because normally that wouldn't exist. Like, normally they, the instinct is to kill that character in a fun, gruesome way so that, ah, oh, there, he learned his lesson. Right. But they allowed yeah. him to see Hellboy as... <laughs> He was killed by his own hubris and red tape. <laughs> It'd be really funny if he's actually killed by red tape. <laughs> but yeah, that's but it's it's fun that they allowed that. And then of course, uh I think we should talk about the end before we kind of just wrap it up, which is Hellboy is given this choice to Did you watch it on Netflix or did you watch the DVD? I watched it on Netflix. Okay, so you saw the scene where they got the Tunguska uh, yes. meteorite and everything. I don't mm -hmm. think that scene was in the original movie. I think there oh. was a cut scene that they might have added into the Netflix cut for some okay. odd reason. Sure. I don't remember for sure, but I remember watching it and going, I don't remember this part in the movie. This mm. is weird. But anyway, so Hellboy has to use his big stone hand to go into, uh, to unlock it, which is going to release the Agdru Jihad, which is the seven dragons yeah. into our universe and destroy the world. You know, very Lovecraftian. Mm -hmm. Big, big, huge Lovecraft monster. Yeah. Just coming out of the moon. Anungsurama. 
you know, yeah. and that's Hellboy's real name. And he, he goes to unlock it. And then Meyer, we, we talked about Meyer saying, no, you know, don't do it. And yeah. he's like, do it. Don't yeah. do it. Do it. I'm not going to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so they, they end up, <laughs> they end up killing Rasputin and Rasputin unleashes this giant dragon that's inside of him, which I guess transferred. To, every time he came yeah. back, he came back. Every time he came back to life, he came back with a piece of the demon. That seemed weird to me like well, you it had just to have, you had to have a big fight at yeah the end. You it couldn't... couldn't have just ended with like nope it's going back okay yeah. it's over i know but it was still weird that it was like i think maybe they hinted at it once but there was nothing like i had forgotten yeah that there was a mon and i think that was partly because i i and i hate when i have to do this but um i didn't have time to watch the whole movie when i sat down to watch it so i got almost all the way through it and i had about a, i had about 40 minutes left or half hour left and then i watched it the next morning oh finished yeah. it. Yeah. so i had I, that might have been my fault for forgetting no, that there was a monster a really in him small it's a small throwaway line where he right, talks about that and then it that. becomes this whole thing at the end where it's like it's gonna come out it's gonna get really big really fast yeah and then try to kill everyone really cool design of it too i love the the, the production design in this movie creatures were great yeah. i loved the creatures i loved I, a lot of the sets i loved a lot of the um the, the steampunk before steampunk yeah yeah i i del toro had a great eye for how this movie should look because the the comic isn't it um i haven't i haven't not having read it or really knowing too much about it it has like a very like a woodcut style yeah very sketched uh mignola does a lot of heavy heavy inking Uh uh-huh so and he doesn't do a lot of shading so if something is shaded it's black it's not like you know you see variations with shades of gray okay right 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 black so it looks very very he does a lot of square work. He does a lot of straight angles. Okay. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't like a lot of natural design. A lot of natural yeah. curves on it. So, doing that would have been kind of difficult and probably yeah. painstaking and too expensive and probably not worth it. I would guess. But I feel like this was a really effective sort of compromise. I yeah. thought it looked really good. Well, the 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 look of Hellboy is straight on. It's the most perfect thing you've ever seen. Like the translation from comic to him, you could tell that's the one thing that they really, really focused on. Uh, yeah. Really wanted to get right. Yeah. And they, and even Abe, Abe, they, they changed the design up a little bit, but he still looks really He looks pretty good. He, he looked a little bit like he was, a fish like he was wearing a, a fish costume. Yeah. But Doug Jones is really good at, at moving in yeah. those kinds of characters. And so he makes it look very fluid. He makes it look natural and organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the, you said the demon Samuel looks really great. And when I talked about how much I like Cronin's <laughs> with his, with his flap, 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 flap. And I love Cronin's design. Like he's mm-hmm. very, it's just how to make a cool looking movie character. To look at. Yeah. I just wish that the plot and some of the action sequences, yeah. and I just wished a lot of it sort of gelled a little bit better. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of agree that there's like two separate movies yeah. smooshed together. There's a slower movie mm-hmm. and an action punchy movie kind of smooshed together. And it really shouldn't be that way. It should be one or the other. Well, you brought up yeah. Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah. that's a great, those, that's a, that's all, all three of those, but definitely one in three are the, the, best examples of I really movies. like Temple of Doom. I know. Do not diss I, I, Temple I, of I'm Doom. Not gonna, we're not going to get into it because it's not a comic book movie and I don't have to have this conversation with you on mic. But there's there's a uh, that's a those are great examples of movies that effectively balance the the quieter character moments, um, the stuff that you want to see, the stuff that, you know, 
is necessary to tell the story and the action sequences. Well, and I think I think that they should have used Indiana Jones as a template for this because it kind of works very similar. It's oh, sure. an archaeological explanation, yeah. you know, not archaeological dig, but it's a a kind of research hunt to figure out what's going on. And at the end, you really didn't even have to have the dragon at the end because you could have done the Indiana Jones thing where Indiana Jones is like, close your eyes! And then it's like, right. boom, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it, the thing could have self-exploded and he didn't have to do anything to begin with. That's, I think it, that, that would have been kind of the better way of doing this. The movie yeah. should have worked more like an Indiana Jones. And I'm kind of, I'm hoping that in the future we cover Hellboy 2 because I haven't seen it in a very, very long time, but I think it, I, I, I think it fixes a lot of the problems that we're having mm-hmm. with with this first one right now. What I think it does, it does something that a lot of movies do. And this is probably the last thing I'll, I'll have to say about the movie, but um, what, what I think that it, it does something that I've seen a lot of these kinds of movies do that I really don't like because it's always super obvious when it does it, it plays a lot like the pilot episode. <laughs> it does. Of like a monster of the week. It, it plays like the pilot episode of a show Fox would cancel after like a season. It's, it's, a, you know? it's essentially the pilot episode of or something like that. I have to bring up, I I don't want to bring up this movie, but I said the exact same thing because the most egregious example of this that I've seen recently is the the movie I, Frankenstein, which was a a catastrophic garbage mess uh, with Aaron Eckhart and just gibberish nonsense where that was a movie where it's like, okay, there's this whole mythology. We've got to get ourselves into it. And it's like, and then it, and then it ends with that very like, and then I'm going to keep fighting this fight. It's like every week at the same time, you know, Yeah. <laughs> starting coming this fall. Well, you know? I think I Frankenstein was part of, I think it was Universal's attempt to turn all of its monsters movies into an Avengers style franchise. But, yes, exactly. It was the first of that. And then Dracula retold yeah, re- or yeah, reborn. Some, some something and like then that. they're like, oh, these movies are terrible. It was We're another one they yeah. tried to shoehorn and they're still, I think they're still working that out, but it's still going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't want to compare Hellboy to I Frankenstein. Frankenstein in any other ways but no but I, I get what you're saying it reminded me yeah. of that where it's like this is the first episode of the Hellboy TV show kind of like Sleepy Hollow probably yeah that'd be a good example exactly yeah. which I don't think is inherently bad but this is supposed to be a feature film not a TV pilot and it's always the seams are always very visible where it's like this character is coming in because we're gonna see him every week you know yeah and this is gonna be his role on the team no I get it I get it <laughs> now 
or oh okay yeah I, I mean there's not much production notes wise all i could say is, is that uh studio uh didn't initially want to cast uh um uh, uh ron perlman as hellboy there was a couple sure. other people including dwayne the rock johnson and uh, uh vin diesel who i say vin diesel is i think i've said i'll say it I've said it to you. I'll say it on the podcast. I believe Vin Diesel is actually is the golem of uh, Jewish myth. I yeah. believe he was mm-hmm. created out of clay during World War II to protect yep. the 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 Jews of Prague. Um, cause, yeah, because no living thing with a soul could have ever written Fast and the Furious. That makes a um, ton of sense to me. So he would have worked very well in that movie. I completely subscribe to your theory. Yes, uh, and uh, so Vin. Uh, <clears throat> I keep on wanting to call Vinny Schultz. Guillermo del Toro uh, <laughs> cast him in, in Blade 2 to kind of showcase what he can do under yeah. uh, prosthetics yep. and things like that, how menacing he could look. And eventually he was cast in, you know, the, the in the studio right now is still trying. Is uh, Everyone wants to make Hellboy 3 except the studio, so... <laughs> Nice. So yeah, there you go there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are, let's let's go on to our our because there's not there's not much. Well, other I, was, I didn't know if you stuff. wanted to do the, well. I was we could air this in any order that yeah. we want. When we're doing the editing. I was gonna. Uh, I didn't know if you wanted to do the our fantasy casting first. No, let's or do let's do, do our, our pick top three, three first. Yeah. Uh, this week we are doing in honor of Hellboy. We are doing our top three movie demons. Yes, or 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 yeah, yeah, movie demons. Movie yeah. demons. Yeah. Movie demons. Uh, you know, maybe a little flexibility in how we define demon. Yeah. And, and that was actually a little bit of a struggle with trying to to pick some of these because sometimes you look and you're like, but is, is that a technically demon? a demon? Is like that sometimes. A demon? the yeah. definition of what a demon is versus like a spooky ghost or versus <laughs> some other ghost. kind of a monster like I like how we spooky ghosts tend to come up quite a bit in these podcasts. <laughs> so uh so go ahead with your number 3. My number 3 pick. Um I kind of a, a cop out, but I just I think it's more of a a more of a design and kind of how he's played than anything is uh um the Pennywise from it. Oh, good. yeah, yeah. I mean, he—he's kind of. I, that's what I was like. What I was kind of saying with demon, like he's kind of a demony monster thingy. You know, sure. he has a lot of the qualities of. De- I just love the. I love the design. I love how he's played. He's. Just, it's just. I was gonna go with uh, the the big devil guy from Legend as also well, also played by Tim Curry. Oh, but yeah, but I decided to go with one <laughs> Tim Curry as opposed to yeah. two Tim, Tim Curry's, and I decided to go with Pennywise just because Pennywise is terrifyingly fun. Oh yes, it's the the cause of so many people's utter fear of clowns absolutely yeah I, I i had nightmares about that one when i saw that as a kid the uh, the tv miniseries yeah, i never watched it when i was a, when i was a, when i was a wee one i mm-hmm. i watched it much later i think i saw it when it aired no i, so I was way too young for that yeah. that was awful well who's who's your number three uh my number three uh i'm not gonna call it a cop-out it's just that it's um <laughs> it's 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 the collective demons from both evil dead one and evil dead two swallow your soul swallow your soul Exactly. Um, nice. I uh, so basically, yeah. It's it's not one in particular because it's kind of unclear. And I, the and I love the, Essentially, you just want to say the deadites. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. kind of unclear the way that because you've sort of got what you've got the the demon. I guess that's sort of you know whether it's. I don't know that we ever actually see the demon as the demon, which is often the case with these. You get to see sort of the possessed people that yeah. are trapped in cellars screaming, swallow your soul. Or you get to see it as well, you, got, you know, think... a fast-moving camera sort of whooshing through the woods yeah. in fast-forward, you know, coming toward the cabin because they read from the Necronomicon. Yeah. Um, Klaatu, Barada, <laughs> Nekto. Nekto. 
nickel uh, necktie. Uh, <laughs> you said the words exactly? Well, sort of. <laughs> I love that. Army uh, of Darkness. Army of Darkness is, is uh, too genius. bad that's not a comic book movie. We uh, could have a lot of fun talking about that one. God. Um, but I but I love that the demons are so fully realized, I think, and that vision that Sam Raimi had that even the 2013 remake is pretty watchable yeah the, because it keeps sort of that essence there and it's hard to screw it up the and i love Raimi's designs for the monsters that's if you want to talk about early peter jackson like that's early peter sure. jackson yeah like just with the weird distorted faces and bulging eyeballs and yeah you know, the weird voice and uh, swallow your soul swallow your soul you know that i love that <laughs> god damn it <laughs> cat <laughs> All right, so my my number two is uh let me let me I lost it all of a sudden so I got uh oh yeah Peter Stormare St- Satan from the movie Constantine ah oh, yeah he I really love and I also love um David Bowie playing the angel uh in that movie yeah yeah <laughs> um actually no wait that's Tilda Swinton never mind <laughs> playing Gabriel I know what you meant. I, <laughs> um no but Peter Stormare what I loved about that is I love that he comes out at the end. And he's dressed all in white, which mm-hmm. I, I love that in movies when they're like, oh, the devil's wearing white. Ooh. <laughs> but he's got like this like weird tar whenever he walks. <laughs> it's after Labor Day. <laughs> and I, I love Peter Stormare. I think he's one of those underrated actors that not a lot of people know. He's one of those, oh, it's that guy. You yeah. know, he's in Fargo. Mm-hmm. And um, I th- he's, he plays in one of the Nihilists in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. And, he, and I love his voice because he's got that weird accent. I don't even know exactly where he's from, but he has this weird like, I think it's Scandinavian almost accent mm-hmm. and when he he makes a deal with with keanu reeves constantine oh dude and i i and he pulls out when the he cancer. very sort of like lo- yes he, he pulls, he pulls the out cancer. the cancer yeah. oh it's so good it's, I, it's one of my favorite performances in of a of a comic book movie that's very underrated i think in my opinion maybe we'll get to constantine maybe that's what we should do for our next halloween movie oh. anyway uh so what's your number two my number two is a very kevin pick um it is my number one is a very Joe pick, so I I, I hope so. Um, my number two is uh, it's not really a demon; it's a thing that kind of turns you into a demon of Ooh. sorts or very demonic. Is it from Dario Argento's Demon? <laughs> it's the no, but I consider that. Uh, <laughs> it's the uh, the demon uh, Hanya mask from 1964's uh, the Japanese ghost story Onibaba. Oh Jesus H. <laughs> which is it's if you've never seen it, which I'm gonna go ahead and say is basically everyone listening to this and Joe who's laughing having never even seen this movie. I have never even heard of it. It's this really great sort of one of those Japanese like um, it's based on a Japanese folk tale. It's this uh, it's set in um, sort of war torn medieval Japan as most of these movies often are. Yeah. Uh, about a woman and her daughter in law who live sort of in this. Uh, this creepy, windy, like, marsh. And as samurais sort of wander by, getting lost, they murder them, <laughs> drop their bodies in a hole, and rob them, take all of their armor, and they have this deal with a merchant in town, and they sell all of their stuff to him. Uh... And so one of their neighbors comes back from the war, and they, we start to get this sort of love triangle, and he's, of course, not into the older one, but he's into the younger one. The older one gets jealous. And eventually this other samurai comes by wearing this super creepy mask, like from like the traditional, like the theater that they do. Yeah, kabuki style. Um, he, uh, she kills him as is her, yeah. you know, lot in life. Um, when she, she try she can't get the mask off when she gets it off. He's this horribly disfigured 
you know, monster yeah. basically underneath. So her strategy is to uh, she tries to terrify and scare away the daughter so that she can claim the uh, the guy for herself. So she puts the mask on and it's sort of then we get into this great sort of morality play thing where she uh, it fails when she tries to confess. She can't get the mask off yeah. and she gets caught in the rain and the mask, of course, won't come off. And of course, finally, when it does, she's, she's a, monster, a monster and now mm-hmm. she has to sort of wander around and um, it ends in a very sort of questionable. Is she dead? Is she not dead? Um, I love that. Because it turns we're... out that the Japanese are really big with honor. We're... I didn't know. <laughs> We're talking a lot about demons and Hellboys is a very sort of physical thing, but I yeah. love that there's this other way to sort of approach that where things aren't seen and, you know, we get this sense where there's things out there with power, with magical supernatural powers, but really it's they're dependent on us sort of using them for, you know, selfish or nefarious or amoral reasons that, uh, you know, that's when it really can kind of sort of cross over in our world and, and cause nonsense. <laughs> cause nonsense. <laughs> so that's my pick, and I and I encourage everyone to check this movie out this Halloween. Very spooky. Okay, so my number one pick is uh, very Joe. It's a second Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> Did you know what this one is? Uh, I don't. Go ahead. I'm trying to. Rem- well, I'm trying to me, think. Let me tell you who this is. This is a devil. Oh, okay. His name is John Milton. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get who I am? <laughs> The greatest devil ever put to... I lost the... my paradise. Can you find it? Help me the, find it. The greatest devil ever put on screen uh, uh, Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate. Yeah. One of, by That's far... a hell of a performance. The worst movies known to mankind. <laughs> but this is Al Pacino. I think I think it's after... Um, I think it's after uh, um, Scent of a Woman. Oh, yeah. And it's when he just decided, you know what? I'm going to just stick with this. It works for me. Where does the devil fuck? Anywhere he wants. (laughs) Oh my God. It's him in that movie is everything I love about late Al Pacino before it gets like too ridiculous. And it's like, I'm going to talk really soft and then I'm going to get loud and I'm going to get soft (laughs) again. I'm going to get in your face and get really intense. I've been working on my Al Pacino impression for a while. You have, yeah. Wow. Um, I just, I don't care anything else about that movie. It's just Al Pacino playing the devil. Yeah, and that's what I want the devil to be. I want the devil to be Al Pacino. I uh, when when we were deciding what our top three was going to be, we did discuss doing movie devils. Yeah, but I worried that there was going to be a lot of crossover because I don't think you can have another number one if you're going to say movie movie devils. devils. Yeah, you know the 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 playing Satan, actual Satan. Yeah, you kind of got to go. And I'd have to say if I was doing that and I was including Satan slash devil on my list, I'd probably also have. I might consider Constantine as well, even though I don't really love that movie. But the only one I could I do like Peter Stormare's version as well the only one i could think of off the other one i could think of off the top of my head would be uh vigo mortensen in uh the prophecy series i think he's prophecy three he plays satan Mm -hmm. or lucifer right and uh i would but if i'm gonna go with that i would go with uh i was contemplating but uh um walken plays gabriel who's an angel so that's why i didn't put him on my list yeah no technically demon angel you know we're both the same side of the same coin, or two sides of the same coin. Well, well. Before I say, yeah. actually, it's funny that you said it, yeah. d- d- said that because um, what almost made my list, my my probably my number four, my honorable honorable mention, it would be um, the Cenobites 
from the Hellraiser yeah, movie. Yeah, I was thinking them. Pin, um, pinheads on them. And there's yeah. that moment where, I think it's in the first movie. It might be in the second one. Um, they're not great movies, especially no. as the sequels, which I think is why they didn't end up making my list because it's like, I don't really like that movie very much. Visually impressive movie, just it terrible. Has its, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag of effects, but yeah. um, very 80s with the sort of lightning cartoon lightning bolts yeah. that they throw in all those horror movies at that time. Um, Clive Barker, very distinctive sort of style, very kind of gross. But um, he has that line where he says that we're angels to some demons to others, others or yeah. something like that. And, and, and that's, so I, I, I did consider them and I thought they would have been a fun uh, tie in. Yeah. Well, it's just pinhead's just a really cool looking Sure. Dude. Um, but I ended up going with this my number one Pazuzu, oh, aka Captain yeah. Howdy in yeah. William Friedkin's The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we we only really see him in a, in a brief yeah. sort of I don't know if yeah. it was supposed to be subliminal or scary. I think, I mean, I think it was supposed to be subliminal. In yeah. the internet age, you can obviously freeze frame and you can actually see da, his da, da, face. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah no i yeah Uh, definitely you can actually see it's just i mean it's just a woman in makeup it's actually a woman in makeup it's uh, actor producer eileen deets but um it's a very unsettling just if you do a google image search for captain howdy you'll see that face to do the work for you Uh, it's creepy face really just makeup and you see it for a split second but uh it's what he does the care the demon does through um you know linda hamilton's character or linda linda blair. Um, linda blair no relation to selma's uh <laughs> linda blair's uh reagan that's very unsettling yeah still no, it, one of the greatest most terrifying i'd say horror movies of all time that's a that's a great uh that's a definitely a great demon i'm uh i i went in, uh when I, when I went to the oriental institute in chicago i actually saw an original stone sculpture of the demon Pazuzu in their Hittite exhibit. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and I think, Very they, cool. sh- I think they do show it in some of those, uh, speaking of awful sequels, some of the additional Exorcist movies. I think you do get some time seeing like that statue or yeah. a very similar statue yeah. to, to drive that home. But yeah, definitely. Alternative casting, <laughs> starting now, face to face, where we belong. So, you know, I think I think one of the things that we're kind of doing now with this alternative casting, and I might continue it, I don't know, but we, we've been throwing out, like, okay, directors. Right. Like, we're going to do this in a style of a specific so, director. Right, Batman's Hitch, or Hitchcock's oh, Batman. Batman. <laughs> and we kind of, like, in watching this movie, I kind of said, this should have been a movie done by the Jim Henson Company in the 80s. You know, like Dark Crystal or mm-hmm. Labyrinth style. Labyrinth style. Um, I thought that that would have been like a, a mirror pretty... mask. Yeah. So we were, we're kind of like <laughs> we were kind of going back. Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island. That for some odd re- Muppet Christmas Carol. More, more Tim Curry. There yeah. you go. Muppet Christmas Carol, which for some odd reason 
like people really like. I really like that movie. It's, we're not going to get into it. It's we not a comic like book it. movie. I don't have to have this argument with you. <laughs> it's my Temple of Doom. <laughs> so, but we we kind of like we're like, should we include the Muppets? Should we not include the Muppets? So I said, whatever, just do what you want to do yeah. with it. Um, I didn't include the Muppets on mine. I kind of, in my version of this movie, I wanted Hellboy and abe and like all of the monsters to be very henson-y puppets yeah um mm-hmm. full size full size operated like, by 11 people, people yeah like, and but, or just carol spinney <laughs> i was gonna say big bird is is, <laughs> is that but it, we what, ah, hell boy <laughs> but what i really wanted in this movie is i wanted cameos i was like sure. i was thinking that it'd be a fun movie to have like not only the main characters but also like steve martin shows up as like the museum guard you know yeah you know, like right. that sort of thing but uh so uh, not including Hellboy or or Abe. I mean, I don't know what what. You, why don't you start off and just kind of tell sure. me how you start? I cast off. my four sort of human main characters. Well, I guess five. I get I, f- well four and five ish. So my uh, my broom, Professor Broom. That's the John Hurt character. Yeah. Uh, I went with someone who did work with the Muppets. I believe in the first or second season of the Muppet Show. Uh, Peter Ustinov. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, I went with Vincent Price for my Professor Broom. Oh, that's good. That would be very good. I I, I kind of felt like Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy. <laughs> it's you know Vincent Price is always the right answer whenever we do this. That always turns into the better version of that movie. It happened when I did it, and it's, it's happening now when you did it. Yeah, I, Hellboy. I'm not going to be around forever. <laughs> Uh, I just I, I like the idea because, you know, he also worked with the Muppets, I think. On, was it season one or two? Yeah. Again, very early. Yeah. Another great episode of The Muppet Show. Yeah. I was thinking that or Michael Caine. But Michael Caine was still kind of young in the 80s. Yeah. Like Michael Caine now. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, not not 1980s Michael Caine. Maybe uh, maybe uh, what was his name? Uh, Peter, Peter O'Toole, maybe. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. But any been... of those, like, I just like the idea of having like a like a like an actor of sort of that John Hurt kind of caliber where yeah. he can bring that sort of serious. I went with that with my villain too, that gravitas. Um, yeah, but it's also he's going to be super silly. He's going to have the big beard. And yeah, he's going to just be like, oh boy, ah. <laughs> Um, so what else? What do you got next? Uh, I have my, my Liz, my Selma Blair uh, go character. I just went with someone that I thought was more appropriate and my Evernote just crashed, but I remember who it was. It was, uh, I went, I had a couple of different options. I went with either, um, Elizabeth Shue, Ooh. uh, who just would be Love a fun, Elizabeth Shue. Fun, exactly. I just like to see her in more things or someone who's worked with puppets before Phoebe Cates. Ah, see, I went with Phoebe Cates. I was thinking that you were going to go with, uh, um, 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 What's her face? Did you also go with Phoebe Cates? Yeah, I went with Phoebe oh. Cates. Um, I thought you were going to go with what's her face from Labyrinth. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. J- um, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I thought that's. I kind of wanted to stay away from that. Okay. Because of my Rasputin. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I I went with Bowie for my Rasputin. Bowie's your Rasputin. I I like the idea of Rasputin like in in real life. And I, I know Rasputin we're doing... being very sort of flamboyant. Well, I know in, we're not. This is this is a Muppet movie, but in. In real life, IRL, Rasputin was a super sexual being. They always talked about him being like this sure. this lecherous human being. I just like the idea of, of Bowie, this omnisexual superstar of the 1980s, playing you know, Rasputin. I think In the be... tights with the big package it's, and yeah. the teased hair. Yeah. No, no beard for some odd reason. He's just, you know. <laughs> right. Clean he, shaven. Just, yeah. He's just the character. He's the Goblin King. Hellboy. <laughs> it turned into a musical. Oh, my God. Now you're, t- now you, now you got my money. You've got to open the lock. <laughs> 
I'm turning into an owl now. <laughs> uh, my Rasputin is played by the great F. Marie Abraham. Ooh. Who, uh, I believe, what did I say, 86? He would have just won the Academy Award in 82 for Amadeus? Or 83? 84. This 84. Is, this is right 84. around when I cast yeah. it. This is yeah. right around, I was thinking, 84, which is the same year as Muppets Take Manhattan. So. But Kevin, F. Murray Abraham's on Inside the Actor's Studio. <laughs> I don't F. care. F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> is that a Family Guy reference? The Simpsons reference. Oh, is it a Simpsons yeah. reference? Okay. Yeah. I should know better. We don't make those. Um, <laughs> I cast. I, I did a couple more castings. I cast my um, my Jeffrey Tambor character. I, I as... want to see if you did the same one as me. Uh, I went with William Shatner. Ah, that's a good one too. I went with uh, Elliot Gould. <laughs> oh, Elliot Gould, would be good. My my other sort of Muppet tie-in would have been Dabney Coleman, who who is sort of the villainous character. He's the the phony yeah. producer in Muppets Take Manhattan. I thought, well, why not just? It's the same year. He could just do that too. You know what? You that could have been fun. In in all honesty. You know who actually probably would have been a good character for that is a cameo too. It's James Coco. I know we talked about him I, earlier. I thought about that too. That, you know, now that I think about it, yeah. I did think about that. William Shatner was originally I wanted for my broom, yeah. but I wanted him better here because I thought like, ah, oh, that might just be too silly and he might be too young. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he would have been. Well, I mean, Elliot Gould's pretty young at this point, but I mean, Shatner I think would have been in his fifties in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one more human that I cast. I did cast my John Myers. Okay. As uh, Bean Bunny from the Muppets, because fuck him, <laughs> I, I I don't want to. I almost just cast him as Kermit, and I was like, no, that's mean to Kermit. Fuck yeah. him. I want him to just be the little bunny, yeah, well, and then he gets stepped on. Pepe the shrimp. Yeah, exactly. Because John Myers sucks, and we don't want him in the movie. I put him, I I cast him as Adrian Zmed. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Star of the movie where he puts on blackface to go to college. I can't think of the name of it, but Soul Man. Soul Man. Yes. <laughs> Was it Adrian Zemed? I think that was Adrian Zemed. I don't know. I just know that's that movie. I th- was it, yeah, wasn't he on uh, the uh, T.J. Hooker? Wasn't that Adrian Zemed who was in T.J. Hooker with, with William Shatner? I think that oh, was. You know, who, uh, you know who else I cast? I cast my evil uh, Nazi henchwoman, uh, oh. would you say Ilsa, as Madeline Kahn. <laughs> really wanted to see her we do should, that. Okay, I, I really like this idea of turning Hellboy into this Muppet comedy. Yeah. And uh, that's basically what I was doing. Yeah, I think it would work. I think I think I'd like that idea a little bit better. You could have it be dark with the with the puppets and like have like a weird labyrinth, not a a dark crystal feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, But you could also have it be this lighthearted, like musical comedy on top of it. Yeah. I think that it'd be weird and interesting juxtaposition. I think only the Jim Henson company yeah. could have pulled that off. Well, that's why my other FBI guys, my two, you know, they, they may or may not be the ones. No, no, it's not Statler and Waldorf. It's uh, Chevy Chase and Sam the Eagle. <laughs> Those are my, they, they just have to can be we, the ones just, in the background. Can't we just do Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd from Spies Like Us in the background? We can. Doctor, can. doctor, doctor, doctor. That's, well, when I when I said Chevy Chase and Sam the Eagle and I wrote that down, that's when I texted you. I was like, are we doing Muppets or is this just like the Henson company, but mm. not in the Muppet verse? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we're just going to do it. <laughs> just because Sam the Eagle needs to be an FBI guy. I think that's my only other Muppet. Um, and then uh, my one other uh, cameo that I cast, just as someone, uh, I need Dom DeLuise in this movie. Yeah, maybe as himself. I don't really care. Yeah. Maybe they have to rescue Dom DeLuise. <laughs> Dom DeLuise is it? Hellboy, right Hellboy. He's like holding the box of kittens. I wouldn't even talk about that scene. I mentioned it briefly. Yeah, we didn't talk about it earlier. That's okay. Oh, 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 oh,
All right. So final thoughts on Hellboy. Oh, well, your, your, your grade slash final thoughts on Hellboy. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a, a decent enough movie um i think it it was very clunky um very rough around the edges it'll be interesting to see the sequel because i have heard from you earlier and and i've heard elsewhere and from what i've read that that it tightens it up a bit and kind of figures out what works and what doesn't it's very much it's much more del toro i i if i remember it's been a long it's probably been seven years since i've seen it like oh eight oh nine something um i'm gonna give it a b minus yeah i think that's pretty much what i was gonna do i was going with b minus c plus on that area just because i i do think the the plot we've learned over time to have much better how to handle comic book movies without having to shoehorn a lot of like traditional Hollywood subplots into them. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with this movie is it is a very formulaic Hollywood subplots inside of a a character that doesn't have to be that's succeeds best when it's not formulaic. Yeah. We yeah. were we were learning uh and we were on the cusp of the huge comic book movie explosion at this point. It hadn't yeah. quite yeah. happened. And yet, I know a but... lot of people are gonna be kind of upset with us because they love Hellboy. Hellboy's got a very cult following. Yeah, but we just talked about why yeah. it deserves a B minus and I feel Absolutely. like I'm being maybe a little generous. So you know yeah. we're right. We yeah. did a podcast. That's about why I said it. B minus C plus. <laughs> uh all right, go to planetarbitrary.com for all your planet arbitrary needs. You could follow me on Twitter at Planet Arbitrary. You could follow Kevin at at k white says like our facebook page backslash planet arbitrary you could also like our sister podcast the play on podcast starring steve and pat b of pat b's retro video game reviews and you can listen to uh game classy the other podcast <laughs> that i do with steve um and you could like a facebook page there backslash game classy podcast best way to like the podcast is go to planet arbitrary podcasts on itunes and like comment and subscribe if you don't like listening to this on iTunes or through any other method, you could also uh, listen to us on the YouTube at the Game Classy Podcast YouTube page. Uh, so, Kevin, until next time. Hellboy. <laughs> Comic book. Flagship. Flagship.